Welcome to Declaration, where we exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. Here at Declaration, we believe that God has a word for you and for your family, to live a life of fullness and to be faithful to Christ and His church. If you want to know more about who we are at Declaration Church, then I highly encourage you to visit declaration.org. Let's give God our best for a minute. Would you stand up and just give God your best? He's alive, amen? He's alive. Happy Easter, everybody. Come on, man. While you're standing, let's do something real quick. Can we just pray for a second? Can we do that? And let's just thank the Lord. Let's invite his presence. He's, he's, he's already here, but let's just welcome him for a minute. Can we do that? Holy Spirit, we thank you. We welcome you, Jesus. Be exalted. Be exalted on our praise. Be exalted on our worship. Be enthroned this morning as we already know you are, but be enthroned because our hearts declare your greatness. We exalt you, Jesus. We lift you high. And we invite you to draw so deeply close to us this morning. And we thank you for your resurrection power. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, that you would speak to us through your living word now. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God our best one more time, will you? Man, praise the Lord. Hey, keep clapping. Let's, let's celebrate our fifth and sixth grade. We're going to send them out in style this morning as we welcome our online family as well. We're glad they're here. Glad you're here. Have a seat for a second. Man, it's going to be a great day. It's already been a great weekend. Friday was incredible. The silence of Saturday. Um, Though, you know, to, to a world who does not know Jesus, that silence is deafening. But to those who know Jesus, that silence is an awaiting. Because we know that Sunday's coming, and here we are, amen? Well, let, let's start like this. You know, a Sunday school teacher once asked each member of her class, um, she, she was teaching these littles, and she asked each member to write um, just one sentence. What does Easter mean to you? She goes around the room, and she finally gets to one student, and that student says, that just means egg salad for the next two weeks, y'all. But, yeah, I know, it's terrible. Bad joke. Um, let me try another one. One Easter morning, another Sunday school teacher, it's always Sunday school with kids. I don't know what it is, but another Sunday school teacher decides to see how much her class knew about the true meaning of Easter. And one little girl quickly raises her hand, and, and the teacher says, yes, Sarah, what is it? And, and, and Sarah says, well, Easter is when all my aunts and uncles come to my house. We eat turkey, we watch football, and we take naps. And she said, no, 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 Sarah, I think that's Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. So another student says, no, I know. Yes, Billy, what, 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 is, what is Easter? What is it about? And, 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 and Billy says, well, you know, last Easter, we decorated a tree, and we sang songs, and we got lots of presents. And she goes, no, no, Billy, I think that was Christmas. And, um, and so the teacher kind of starts to get a little bit nervous at this point. She goes, does anybody know what Easter really is? And little Emily raises her hands, and, and, and she says, Emily, what is it? So Emily confidently stands to her feet, and she says, Easter is a very special day where we remember that Jesus hung on a cross and died and was put in a tomb for three days. And the teacher says, that's so very good, Emily. And before she could even get Emily's name fully out, um, Basically, she's sighing with relief in, in her spirit. But Emily, this is, and on the third day, everyone gathers around the tomb and they wait and see if Jesus comes out. And if he sees his shadow, and she goes, no, no, Emily. No. <laughs> so what does Easter mean, right? What does it mean to you? Um, d- does it have the same gravity 
that we saw in that video. Did you catch what the last part of that video said? It said, Jesus is at the center. His victory over the grave is written into every line between old and new, between death and life. There stands one historical reality, which is the resurrection of Jesus. What does it mean to you? There was an article in the Houston Chronicle in 2010. It said this, the power of the resurrection of Jesus is central to the celebration of Easter, but less than half of adult Americans actually link the two. The Barna Group found that only 42% of adults tied Easter to the resurrection. Adults between the ages of 13 and 25 actually did the worst. David Kinneman, the president of Barna Group, said this, the Easter holiday is particular um, still it particularly still has a distinctly religious connection for people, but the specifics of it are really fading in a lot of people's minds. How tragic is this? What does Easter mean? What does it mean to you personally? Is it just a holiday for faith and food and family? Or are we finding ourselves um, awestruck in wonder? I mean, literally blown away at this incredible real impact that the resurrection has had, not just on creation, but on you and me personally, right? Do we understand the gravity of the grave being empty? Now this morning, I want you to know, um, the resurrection of Jesus is so indelibly, incredibly important. And here's why. The tomb was empty so that we could be filled. The tomb was emptied so that we could be filled. With that said, how's it going? How are you feeling today? How are you feeling in your world, in your life, in your family? How, how are you, you know, do you feel like you're filled? Do you feel content? Do you feel complete? Do you feel satisfied like you're living and walking in this abundant life? Do you feel fully alive and free? Now, in our world today, whether it's because people have lost the wonder in the power of the resurrection story, or maybe because to many, the resurrection story, it, maybe it just hasn't become real to them. Tragically, there are so many people who live not knowing the feeling of contentment, not knowing the promise and the truth of satisfaction, completeness, or fulfillment. Many of us, even in the room, may still say right now, we don't really feel filled. So let me pose some questions this morning. Just I want to zoom out a little bit macro, right? Why do you think our culture today is so corrupt? Why do you think anxiety is at an all-time high? Why is it, I know you're probably thinking super encouraging, uplifting Easter message, Pastor, right? I mean, why is, it that, why is it there is seemingly such a low or even no regard for sin in our world today? Why is Bible readership or usage at an all-time low, on decline, even further? Why does the popular strain of thinking or reporting on religion seem to indicate that there is a growing number of those leaving the faith, choosing a form of self-exile from God, so to say? Why is divorce on the rise? Why are things like polyamory becoming more and more acceptable in our culture, where you can have a wife and two husbands, or vice versa? Why is it that there's this constant demand for tolerance for everything sexual in our society, no matter if it grieves or even um, if it grieves the heart of God or even um, or even challenges the creative design of God? You know, why is it that America's ideologically divided? And I mean, it, it, to an epic proportion, according to Pew Research, we're the most divided nation on the planet. 
Why do you think the political climate has become so nasty and so divisive that even on days like today, um, families are strained to even gather? You know, what, what is it of the drug crisis? I mean, what is it of the fentanyl issues that are killing so many of, of our children? Now they're even making it look like candy. Why, the, why me too? Why you too? Why church too? I mean, why does it seem that sickness and disease seem to be growing more and more severe? Every time we turn around, it seems like there's this new strain or this new pandemic that we gotta be worrying about. Why is it that mental illness is one of the highest points ever? Could it be all chemical or could it actually also be very demonic? With all this said, does this reflect the culture of a people who feel content and filled? And obviously, if not, why not? May I just suggest a few answers today? Could it be because we don't truly understand or appreciate the power of resurrection? Or because maybe is Jesus not at the center of everything? Could it be that we've lost our awe and wonder of who God is? We have lost the sense of the greatness and the majesty and the power of the omnipotence and omnipresence and omniscience and holiness of God. Could it be that we find ourselves stuck there? We suffer greatly um, today from a lack of appreciation for the gospel, the profound purpose of the cross, the power of Jesus's blood that was shed, the gravity of the love of Jesus. Truth be told, as a society, listen, if we got really honest, we are not content at all. We don't live filled. We hear the words from scriptures like John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And that might seem rhetorically and poetically beautiful, but tragically not incredibly meaningful, maybe not even available to many of us. Many of us are just doing our best to habitually shuffle and sloth through life. Think about it today on this Easter Sunday. Does our world seem content because of God or does our world seem to have contempt for God? Let me give you a definition of contempt. I don't have it on the screen, but I'll read it. Disregard for something that should be taken into account. A total disregard of something that should be taken. Does our world seem content because of God? Or does our world, is it gripped by a disregard for something that should be taken into account, especially God? See, we've lost the awestruck wonder of the resurrection story. We don't have an awe or a reverence or a fear of God. So I want to back, I want to go back to the moment, the very moment that they realized that Jesus wasn't in the grave anymore. Um, if you were here Friday, man, what a powerful night. I feel like we all, all of us just felt the weight of the crucifixion. And I can't imagine living in that moment, witnessing with my eyes the horrific, I have no words to describe what they witnessed with the murder of Jesus. And then Saturday. See, here's my prayer this morning. My prayer is that our hearts are so gripped in a new way by the gospel today. All right, so look at John chapter 20, verse uh, one, starting in verse 1, we'll go probably to 18 this morning briefly, but we read it, Pastor Aaron read it um, over us at the very beginning of the morning, 
And I just want you to put yourself in the shoes, if you will, of the disciples. Maybe Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, I mean, can you imagine how she must have felt? Look at verse 1. It says, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark. Can you imagine how Mary Magdalene must have felt? Here's a woman who had been delivered, dramatically delivered from many tormenting demons. She'd followed Jesus. She'd pursued Jesus faithfully. She was at the scene of the horrific beatings, the scene of the crucifixion. She was part of the hurry process before Passover of trying to prepare Jesus as much as possible to put him in Joseph's tomb. Then Passover's here culturally. We got to rest. But are we resting? We're actually grieving. And, and, and the silence of Saturday deafening. Then after sundown, finally Passover, sundown, now we can go work again. So assuredly, she'd gone to begin to make further preparation. So to be able to go to the tomb to finish the process, right, for the proper burial. It's Sunday morning now. It's first thing, still dark outside. She arrives at the place. She arrives at the tomb. How will I get in? Who's going to move that stone? What becomes of us when the seal is broken that the government had placed upon it? What a, you know, can't imagine the question. And then she sees that the stone has already been taken away from the tomb. Very surprised, says she runs. She comes to Simon Peter and to the other disciple who loved Jesus, most likely John, says, they've taken away our Lord. They've taken him out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. We don't know where they've laid him. So Peter and, and the other disciple, they begin to run. They're going to the tomb. They're running together. And the other disciple, again, assuredly, probably John. We don't know if it's just because he's young, spry, sponsored by Nike. We don't know, but he beats Peter right? Laps him. He's faster. He's faster. He gets there and stooping in, it says, and look at this. What what are these two words? It says this, stooping in, looking in, he, what? He saw, very important. Don't miss that. He saw the linen wrappings lying there. He did not go in. So Simon Peter now finally shows up, probably breathing, man, brother, got to work on it. Got to work out and eat better. Simon Peter follows him, enters the tomb. Now, see, when John gets there, he just kind (laughs) of, Peter's like, no, I'm going in. Enters the tomb, and Peter says, Peter, he saw the linen wrappings lying there. He also saw the face cloth, which had been on the head of Jesus, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in place very neatly by itself. The other disciple who had first come to the tomb also entered. He saw and believed So Mary saw it, John saw it, Peter saw it. And it goes on to say, um, um, for he's yet, that they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. The disciples, they go away. They just, well, I guess let's go home. Nothing to see here. But Mary is standing outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, it says she stoops and she looks into the tomb. She looks again. She looks again. Can I say this? Maybe, some, maybe this morning some of us need to look again. And she sees two angels there sitting there. And, and one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been. And, and they say, woman, why are you weeping? What a great question to ask our weary world this morning. Why are you weeping? Why are you so discontent? Look at Mary's reply. She says, because they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. And so maybe here's part of the problem that we struggle with right here. Could it be that too many of us are still living as if Jesus is still dead? 
And we don't know where he is. Is he even real? I love how the book of Luke recounts this moment. Look at Luke chapter 24 with me, if you will. Go there. Luke chapter 24. And look what it says starting in verse 1. It says this, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Remember, they, that, that Saturday night after sundown, they went back and they started preparing again. They wanted to properly do what should have been done. And so they find the stone is rolled away from the tomb. They entered. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they're perplexed by this, two men suddenly stands there gleaming, these, gleaming, these glowing clothing, right? It's just... The holiness of this, this moment, the women, are ter- the, the women are terrified. They bow their face to the ground. The men says, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Basically, listen, he did it. He, he's done exactly what he said he would do. Not one time, not two times, not three times. He said it three times implicitly, but then metaphorically in other different times, in other different ways, he told you this is what was gonna happen. He would die, but he would rise again on the third day. And guess what? Today, he's gone. He rose again. Everything has changed. Victory is declared. Jesus is alive. The enemy and the enemies of God have been once and for all defeated. He's risen. But notice the question, what a powerful and profound question for us this Easter, especially those of us who find ourselves barely shuffling through life right now. We're looking for meaning. We're looking for hope. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for contentment. We're looking for satisfaction and fulfillment, especially those of us looking for, longing for, searching for, thirsting for this abundant, full life that Jesus promised. The angel asked this question to Mary Magdalene, one who had been completely rejected and abandoned by the world, but received and accepted by the mercy and grace of Jesus. He asked this this question to one who had been delivered from multiple tormenting demons, um, demonic strongholds, because of the kindness and the compassion of Jesus. She'd been delivered. The angel's asking the one who had been restored from her broken dignity, which had been lost at the hands of many men along the traumatic path of her past desire for love and fulfillment. And this is the question he says, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. He's done exactly what he said he would do. Meaning, he was most definitely exactly who he said that he was. Back to John 20, 14. She turns around, she sees Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Tragically, I resonate with Mary in this moment. I wonder if you do as well. So many times, listen, I know the truth about Jesus. I know that he came to die, to pay for my sins, to take the punishment that I deserved. But in his grace and in his kindness and in his compassion and in his mercy for me, because of his great love for me, he chose the cross to appease the wrath of God against my sin, my rebellion, my disobedience, to appease the wrath of God against how many times I've chosen to bow at undeserving altars or given my life over, my love over to lesser undeserving little g-gods and how I choose to spend my attention and my affections. I know the truth about the cross. I believe the power and the broken body of Christ on my behalf. I believe the power of the blood that was so willingly and humbly spilled, giving of his life to spare mine. But I also know how many times I have gone looking for life among the dead. And I wonder if you know that feeling as well. 
I know how many times I've ignored my faith in Jesus, tragically. I'm not proud of that. Try to try to find some satisfaction in things that never can or will satisfy. I even hate to consider how many times I've encountered the goodness of Jesus. I've, I've stood in the kindness and the presence of Jesus. And I couldn't even recognize that it was him. See, Mary Magdalene walked with Jesus. She did life with Jesus. She knew Jesus deeply. She knew Jesus personally. She heard him teach. She heard him make promises to them. She witnessed miracles. She is a walking testimony of his miracles and power. And here she is spending her time in the graveyard grieving. And Jesus says, woman, why are you weeping? And I'm just wondering on this Resurrection Sunday, if that might not be a question that Jesus is asking of, of some of us this morning, why are you weeping? See, Jesus is, who is it that you're seeking? Now, Mary is supposing him to be a gardener. We know, says, sir, if you've carried him away, please just tell me where you've laid him. Please, and I'll take him away. Still not getting it. And Jesus says, Mary. And it's in that moment when he calls her by name, Mary. She turns and she recognizes immediately in Hebrew, Rabbanai, teacher. And look what happens next. Obviously, um, supposition is she must have grabbed him. She must have hugged him so tightly. She must have clung on to him because he told her, stop clinging to me. See, Mary is found in this moment, completely blown away. I mean, she is completely blown away. She is full of such awestruck wonder for what it is that she's witnessing right in this moment. Assuredly, overwhelmed, completely overcome with amazement. Her reaction is to grab him and hug him and hold on to him and cling to him. I mean, she is the first recorded witness to see Jesus alive again, which is also profound. Listen, no Jew would have ever given a woman credit for anything like that, ever. A lot of Americans in 2023 wouldn't do that either. Especially a woman who had been delivered from demonic possession. She's the first that he sees. She's the first that he reveals himself to. And he says this. Don't cling to me. I'm not yet ascended to my father, but go and tell our brothers. Go and tell them. Go and tell them. And he said these things to her. Say that I've seen the Lord. So she goes, I've seen the Lord. Why? I've seen the Lord. I have encountered the risen Lord. Everything he said has come true. I've seen the Lord. That's what she says. Listen, I wonder, could it be this Easter morning? Could it be that you've seen the Lord? He wants to reveal himself to you. He pursues you. That's why you're here. It's not, you're not here because it's the right thing to do. You're here because God brought you here. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to see his goodness. He wants you to see that he's very much alive and you have every reason to be filled with awe and wonder. You have every reason to know that your life has meaning and purpose. You have every reason to have joy this morning. I wonder, could it be that you've seen the Lord? Maybe that you have encountered the Lord this morning. And maybe at first you didn't recognize him, but man, I'm so hopeful right now that you're hearing his voice call your name and you know exactly. He's alive. See, though we may know, we may know of Jesus, I'm gonna ask you, do you, we truly know Jesus? Have we really met Jesus this morning? Is he at the center? 
In the book of Hebrews, it talks about your name being written in the book of life. When you understand the gravity of the gospel and your heart is so gripped and overcome with the gratitude of what you now fully understand, not just with your head, but with your heart, what it is that Jesus did on your behalf. You can't help yourself. And you surrender everything that you are and everything that you have to him and say, I want to be completely yours. And there's a promise that he writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. And nothing or no one will ever take that away. He paid the price for that. And he wants you at the table. And he issues the invitation. Do you really believe? Listen, maybe you've heard of his power. Maybe you even know some of his promises, but do you really believe that he's alive? That that very reality changes everything about your reality. Have we really encountered his presence in such a way that we are awestruck in wonder? Do we believe that our name is written in heaven? And does that promise fill us with such hope, joy, life, and gratitude? Do we really have an understanding of his great, unconditional, unfathomable, undeserved love for us? So much so that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that because of what the gospel has done in and to and for us, that we can never be the same. Or, or have we become so desensitized by the declarations of this world and its culture that we find ourselves disheveled and disfranchised? And honestly, we're so longing for contentment, but all we can seem to muster these days, we want the contentment, but all we can seem to muster is contentment. We've joined the masses that are offended at every turn. Therefore, rather than being enamored and awestruck by Jesus and his his daily gospel invitation to us, because we need him daily, we find ourselves looking for life in dead places instead. Listen, this morning, let me start the way we began. Why is the tomb empty? Listen, so that we can be filled complete and completely so that we can find peace so that we can know hope so that we can encounter the living Jesus so that we can enjoy living in his presence so that we can know true forgiveness and absolute freedom so that we can have friendship with God so that we can know unconditional love so that we can find satisfaction and purpose so that We can know that our life has meaning and value. You see, listen, Easter is about so much more than eggs or egg salad or shadows. If you remember the jokes, if you remember my first few stories this morning, Easter is about resurrection, his resurrection that enables ours. Whatever is dead can come alive in Jesus. Let me say it again. Whatever is dead can come alive in Jesus. Come on, somebody. The stone, listen, the stone was rolled away, not so Jesus could escape. This is such a beautiful truth this morning. The stone was rolled away, not so Jesus could escape. The stone was rolled away as an invitation for them to enter in and for us to enter in. Remember, they went in and he saw. He saw. She saw. They saw. Do we see it today that Jesus paid it all? It's finished. He's alive forevermore. And we can be too. 
Now listen, this story could have ended with these women filled with wonder and fear and these disciples filled with what, but it doesn't end there. Jesus said, go and tell. Go and tell. And in passion and excitement because of their encounter with the living Lord, that's exactly what they do. We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. So how about us? Have we seen the Lord? Are we amazed at his story and how his story impacts our story? Is the resurrection of Jesus the center of your life? Has it changed everything for you? Does it mean everything to you? Is your name written in heaven this morning? Can we stand to our feet and just close our eyes and pray for just a moment? I'm gonna invite prayer team to make themselves available along the black curtain all the way to your right I'm going to invite some pastors to make yourself available down here at front of the altar and elders if you will as well that's fine too just make yourself available I just want to ask you this simple question this morning what does resurrection mean to you what does Easter mean to you maybe you're here today And I just want to give you this opportunity to receive a gift from God. It's not from me. It's not from the church. It's not for religion. In fact, it has nothing to do with religion or church. It has everything to do with you and your creator God who loves you so passionately, so furiously, so relentlessly. He so desperately has issued this invitation for God so loves you. He invites you to have a prominent place of priority at his table. And maybe you've said yes to religion before. Maybe you've said yes to trying to be good enough before. Maybe you've said yes to church before. And and while some of those things are good, they're not God. They're transactional, but not transformational. And this morning, Jesus wants to change everything. He wants to transform you from the inside out. See, we try to work from the outside in. If I can just do more, be better, do more good things, be a more moral person. If I could, if I could just get wealthy enough, then I could give more. If I could, if I could just be smart enough, then I could study more and know more and learn more and, and, and speak more proficiently. No, no, no. That's the opposite of what Jesus came to do. He didn't come and die on a stick so he could continually day by day tell you, do better, try harder. He came and died on a cross so that he could say, it is finished over your life once and for all. So it's not about religion or morality or being good enough. You can't be good enough. I know that there's some faith traditions that tell you that. It's just not true. It takes the power of the gospel and just mutilates it. The power is in the words, it is finished. And Jesus wants to invite you to a life of peace. Even when the world is raging, he wants to invite you to a life of purpose. Even when the world tries to tell you everything opposite. He wants to invite you to a life of joy. Even when you grieve to still know joy, he wants to invite you to life abundant. And so this morning, I'm going to invite you to just say yes to Jesus. The Father is offering this gift of life, eternal forever and abundant. And that was made possible because of the death of Jesus on the cross and because of what we celebrate right now this morning, the resurrection.
And so if you would like to say yes to Jesus, would you just close your eyes? Would you pray this prayer with me? There's nothing magical about this. We're just gonna confess our need and our desire to know him intimately and walk with him and receive his love. So Jesus, thank you for the resurrection. Grip our heart with the truth of the power of your resurrection again. Fill our lives with the power of your resurrected power. We surrender. I surrender my life. I give you everything. I hold nothing back. And Jesus, would you take everything, even my past? Would you take my pain? Would you take my trauma? Would you take my hurt? Would you take my shame? Would you take all those moments that I hold on to like a trophy? My trophies of trauma. My trophies of depression. Would you take away my addiction? And would you set me free? Thank you for the cross. Dying for me to pay for all this mess that we have to endure in this life. Thank you for offering me this gift to write my name in heaven so that I know I have hope that when this life is over, I'll live forever completely whole and free, never once again to deal with the pain of this world. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray in this very moment, Jesus. And I pray it in your name. In the power of your name, Jesus, I pray it. Hey, with your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, would you slip a hand up and hold it up for just a minute, just so I know who we're celebrating with and praying for. Thank you, I see you. Thank you, I see you. Thank you. Keep that hand up if you don't mind. It's hard to see, so I just want to make sure I see everybody. Thank you, thank you. Praise Jesus. Can I tell you, today we've seen the Lord. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. Church, can we celebrate right now? Just as a way of response today, I just want to give us an opportunity because you know what? Here's the truth. If you're like me, sometimes I just need to be reminded of the gravity of the gospel. I can get caught up in myself. Anybody, you know, do you know what that feels like? I can get caught up in my own stuff and I can get caught up in my fears and feelings of inadequacy I can begin to allow the voice of the enemy to become louder tragically than the voice of my loving savior sometimes I just need some time to pray and to process and to allow the Lord to just speak his love over me and sometimes I need people for that sometimes I need to go and find somebody and say would you just pray for me and that's what all these prayer partners and elders and staff that's what they're here they just want to I just want to join with you and encourage you for a moment. So we're just going to sing like a song and a half before we go, just as a way to respond for a minute. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your life and for resurrection. 
And as we do, if, if you feel led, maybe you just want to spend some time with God alone at these steps. We want to invite you to do that. We call this the altar. It's altars are where sacrifices are made. And so that's like you saying, I'm coming to lay my life down before you, Jesus. Just spend some time with you. Maybe you need prayer. That's fine too. If you would like to take communion, we have supplies at each response table at the front of the room to the right and left in the back of the room. You can do that. But let's just respond to his goodness for just a moment. Can we? This is the most important moment of this service. Can I tell you that? Here's why. Because while I believe that God's been moving and working throughout the whole service, this is the moment where I'm just going to shut up. (laughs) Some of you are like, praise the lamb. Um, But I'm going to be quiet for a minute. And I believe that the Lord is going to speak to some of you. And so I'm going to invite you to pray for each other. But also listen. Because God may have something he wants to speak directly to your heart this morning. He wants to deposit something in you, in your life, that could change everything. So as we sing, you move and you respond accordingly as the Lord invites you. And let's just respond for just a moment and then we'll go. But let's take this time with the Lord as we sing. You, you respond. Thank you so much for joining us today. Maybe today you need to take the next step in your faith, whether that be giving your life to Christ or maybe you would like prayer and need to be contacted by one of our pastors. In the podcast description, you will find a link to our website and a link to an online connection card. And if you feel led, there will also be a link there where you can give directly to the ministries of Declaration Online. We would love to hear from you. God bless you and have a wonderful week.